Welcome to another episode of the Fanzone Podcast. Your home for all things Bolton Wanderers, up the trotters, the Northwest's number one podcast. Good evening, ladies and gents. Welcome back to another episode of the Fan Zone Podcast. Back with you once again, episode 65. It's back-to-back episodes we are we're treating you. And uh, tonight is a, a very, very, very special one. We're, of course, joined by Gethin Jones. How are you doing, Geth? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. We're uh, we're all looking forward to it. And uh, it goes without saying, but thank you very, very much for uh, for joining us. We massively appreciate it. No problem, no problem at all. So, if you're watching along at home and you're looking forward to this one just as much as we are, then let us know in the chat. But we will kick off this evening's episode. So, we've got a bit of a of a ritual that when we get a new guest on, we always ask them the same question. But we're going to put a bit of a, a festive twist on it. So, we'd usually ask you what's on your plate for a, for a full English, but in a, a true Christmas spirit, uh, what's what's on on your plate for a, for a Christmas dinner? Oh, um. I don't really like turkey, so turkey's no, no, no. a no for me. Um, Too dry. Yeah, no, it is. We normally we normally bring well, my dad and stuff brings like duck or like lamb or something, something different every year. To be fair, um, and then I'll have pretty much everything but obviously can't eat too much on christmas day because obviously with the games on boxing day which is a bit annoying um but no i, I normally like everything like obviously your stuffing red cabbage like carrots your roasties i'm not really a mashed person i'd rather just have extra roasties to be honest um what about your sprouts Geth? do you know what i actually don't mind sprouts Love you, a can sprout. also, you can make them nicer as well can't you, you can like obviously oh, yeah. like Myself like making like a Sunday dinner, like I'll like glaze some pony on carrots and stuff and stick that awesome. in the oven so you can always make something a little bit different. Make so it I a bit posher. Make it a bit posher. Took some bacon lines in it. Extra little bit of taste, yeah. But no, nah, I like everything to be fair. But obviously got to watch how much on Christmas Day. Is it also crazy how you see many sprouts on Christmas Day when you're playing on Boxing Day? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> keep, you, keep the, you keep the strikers away from him, though. Yeah, that's It's a proper 21st century, uh, sorry, 21st century, sort of a modern day footballer response to, to, to that question, and it. Oh, I have to be careful what I watch. Why? Uh, you have to it's it's obviously difficult because obviously normally christmas day like everyone has drinks and so and so but it's the sacrifice you take when you become yeah. a footballer um you've obviously sacrificed a lot during the season like obviously your friends and family will be going out during the season and you can't do all that and it's the same for christmas day like we just gotta concentrate for boxing day game because obviously christmas period is obviously a very busy period for football mm-hmm. um and it's something we've got to do on christmas day as well you can um you can eat as much as you want when you retire, can't you? To be fair, yeah, yeah. You can be as fat, be as fat as you want, then, can't you? <laughs> That's your time, yeah. That'll be your time. <laughs> right. Well, without further ado, we'll get stuck into Angie's quick fire questions. So. We know you've you've watched a few back, so you know what this round's all about. Just a little yeah. icebreaker. Don't overthink it. Just first thing that comes in your head. Nothing too strenuous. Um, so we'll start with sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. 
Night in or night on the tiles? Night in. Sweet or savoury? Savoury. Playing home or aware? Home. PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Pre-match wearing suits or training gear? I, I like suits. Yeah, I like suits. So two international clubs, teams come calling. Australia or Wales? That's tough. I can't answer that one. <laughs> it's going no comment. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> um, and then the one we end on every time is who is Gethin Jones's goat? Who is your greatest of all time? Probably changed so many times over the years, but I'd have to go with Messi, uh, especially after the last World Cup. I'd have, I'd have to go for Messi. Like I was always Ronaldo growing up and stuff, um, and I liked the way like he was never naturally gifted like Messi. Um, mm -hmm. He always had to work hard, and obviously changed his the way he played once he left United to go to Real Madrid and stuff. But yeah. like Messi, just different. He's different to everyone else, and yeah, I'd have to say Messi. Do you think his um is the perception of him as people's opinions of him has changed in recent months and since he left United and his attitude and things like that? Do you reckon that plays a part in people's thought yeah, process? Probably, yeah. And obviously we don't get to see as much of him anymore. Like obviously mm. we don't get to see much of Messi anymore either because he's in America, but yeah, maybe with maybe the things he's done, like in interviews come out yeah. um and stuff like that doesn't help him, but listen, he, he's gonna he's gonna speak what he thinks is the truth and obviously no one knows the inside what's happening at United and stuff there but um, he's obviously come out and, and said what he thinks so you've got to respect him in that sense but obviously it's like caused a bit of controversy like with a lot of people and people have started to turn against him mm. Good Absolutely Well we are uh, we're looking forward to getting this one well underway uh, so once again thanks for joining us thanks for watching along at home we really appreciate it and uh let's get stuck in shall we okay guess so um i will be when you move to australia can you think back to to that time and um where did football start for you was it in Australia, or was it more at Wrexham? No, so <clears throat> my parents went out to live in, to Australia, and me and my brother was born there in Perth. Um, so I came back when I was four from Australia to live in Wales, and the whole reason behind it was my granddad um, owned, uh, owned a business, um, right. he was a builder, and my dad was taking over that business once he retired. Um, my mum never wanted to come back from Australia because obviously the sun, the weather, the lifestyle out there is different. Um, but my dad obviously was like he had to. So yeah, I came back from from Australia when I was <clears throat> three, and I, I think the first time I played football was maybe when I was about five, six years old, um, playing for my local side, Port Maddox, back in Wales. Excellent, jeez. So. Um, what happened at what happened at Wrexham then? Oh, by the way, I love you, Geth. By the way, <laughs> uh, so so what happened at Wrexham, and how did you end up at Everton? Honestly, this, I get asked this a lot, and it's quite strange, really. So, 
Um, I wasn't. I was never actually at Wrexham that long. I was at right. Wrexham two weeks. I was at Wrexham literally two weeks. So really, um, yeah. So obviously, as a youngster, you can like play for like you know when you're young, you can you can run all day and stuff. So yeah. I used to play for Port Port Maddock, um, which is my local side back in Wales on a yeah. Saturday, and then on a Sunday, like there was Bangor Academy. And, yeah. like, the best, like, kind of players from each club used to get picked to play for this academy. So, Bangor Academy used to go on big tournaments. Um, so, what happened was we went to Shrewsbury one, I think it was one summer or something, um, with Bangor Academy. And we played a few big academies like Cardiff and Shrewsbury and stuff. And that's when I started to get, like, picked up from scouts. Because, honestly, like, back home, like, there were so many good players mm. my age, a few lads a year above me and stuff in school. But because it was so far away, they never really got noticed. I was just like mm. quite lucky that I was in a, a, a good academy that went to decent tournaments. Yeah. So I remember going to this tournament in Shrewsbury and doing really well and playing against Cardiff and stuff. And I had about six, seven clubs after me after that. Um, and obviously there was Wrexham which yeah. was obviously the lowest club at the time. And it was obviously the closest club to home to me. Obviously I had Everton calling, I had Liverpool and stuff. But I thought, you know what? I'm not going to take a big step. Mm. Um, so let's just go to Wrexham first. Yeah. So I remember being at Wrexham and the first trial game I was in, I didn't, I didn't start, maybe came on for like 20 minutes or so. And then the week after we was playing against Everton who'd obviously already scouted me about two, three weeks before. So I remember playing um, playing against Everton and then scoring two goals against them. I remember walking off the pitch and then my dad was at the game at the time and we had like Everton scouts like waiting outside the training ground, Finch Farm. Um, yeah. And then my dad like came up to me all shocked and I was like, what's up? And he was like, well, that scout who I asked me to bring you here two, three weeks ago, I said that they don't want to give you a trial, they just want to sign you. Really? Like, yeah. <laughs> obviously, we didn't know what, what was happening. So obviously, I was under like a six-week trial with Wrexham and stuff. Um, so we just jumped in the car and came home. And I remember like going to school on the Monday, thinking like nothing of it really, just like going ahead with my day and stuff. And then I remember my dad like calling the school um, around lunchtime saying like listen like is there any chance we can bring Gethin out of school um, Everton are being serious here they want to meet Gethin halfway they, we don't have to drive all the way up to Liverpool and they want to sign him now so wow. I remember leaving school at like 2 o'clock and then driving all the way up to I think I drove up to Bangor um, and then we met them halfway and I just remember signing the, the papers and then next minute I was yeah I was an Everton player but I was literally two weeks before playing for my local side and obviously think started getting these scouts and teams coming for me and then all of a sudden I took the big step to go to Everton. Jesus man. You, yeah. you, <laughs> you tw are you twenty eight now, Geth? Twenty eight, yeah. So what kind of year we're talking here? Um well, I was thirteen. Um so what's that, fifteen years ago, two thousand eight. Right. Yeah. But the, obviously the first the first two years at Everton was obviously quite difficult and like I can't thank obviously my mum and my dad at the time like they travelled so much to take me up to training because we yeah. lived like a good two hours two hours two and a half hours sometimes 
Mm. And school was very good with me, obviously. Like, they let me, like, leave school half an hour early so we can miss the traffic. <laughs> we used to travel up, like, three, four times a week. Literally. Wow. There's, a real, there's a real misconception, there with, like, North Wales and Liverpool. People seem yeah. to think it's, like, next to each other, no, aren't they? But it's the right track. I think it was, like, 120 miles, like, one way. So we were doing, like, 240 miles, like, there and back, like, only training for like an hour and a half and in the car for five hours. Oh, um, but then I remember at the end of like being 14, going into under 15s, Everton then turned around and said, listen, like the training's going to become more intense, mm. like, and you're probably going to have to, to move up. So that's when like my mum at the time wasn't really too keen on me moving. That's like so young, but like it was something I had to do. So I left home yeah. at 14, nearly turning 15 and then, Lived with like a, a Diggs family that Everton sorted out, and then I went to start going to school in Liverpool. Was that in and around Liverpool itself, or were you on the outskirts of the city? No, I was in, in Crosby. In Crosby. Oh, right. Liverpool, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice carrots and all that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but I loved it. I loved it. And then obviously made some friends in, in Liverpool and stuff. and Obviously, a lot of people like I, I myself like my accent's a bit mixed up. Do you know what I mean? I was like, say- I, yeah, I've lived here obviously quite a few years now. So <laughs> um, now, nah, but I, I have to do it, and obviously, it's got me. Got me that on. Oh. <laughs> so I mean, it was a bit of a a harsh welcome to football at such a young age. What did football mean to you then, as a, a 13, 14 year old? Because obviously, you would have been moving out leaving home and and really chucked in at the deep end so at that age what did football mean to you it meant everything i just remember like even like my cousins my my younger brother like my uncles my dad like oh we like we just loved football um i never really it's mad because like my family's a bit mixed with who they support we've got some everton fans we've got some liverpool fans some man united some man city fans so I never really had a proper team that I supported. I just loved the game and I just loved mm-hmm. football. Um, and obviously when I signed for Everton, that's all I've ever like, known ever since is football. And um, like it's something that I'm hoping if I'm good enough after football, continue doing like in coaching and stuff. Because um, that's all I've ever known. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously it was really difficult to start off with moving away from home when I was so young. Um, the first few months I really struggled, but I knew like I had to stick with it. I remember there was like numerous times I ran home crying, saying like I want to come home and stuff. But I had to do it because I knew if I if I wasn't doing it, then I wouldn't be playing football now. So yeah. that's all I've ever known. I've always loved football and I always will. So I guess after Everton, obviously you had a couple of loan spells and then ended up going to Fleetwood. Mm-hmm. How does coming through? The ranks at like a big Premier League club like Everton, how did they prepare you for that when you leave those kind of because they, they look after really look after you, don't they? Those yeah, yeah. Clubs. So no, it, it was good. Like I obviously came through all the age groups and stuff, and obviously when I turned 19, I got like a privilege to be in the first team squad and made me debut for Everton in the Europa League and then I think straight after that, that was like the November time and then January came around and I was only 19 and then they really started to like say like you, you need to get like league experience now, you've, you've played first team here, you've trained with the first team quite a bit, you need to go out there and get some experience. So I, I remember my first loan was Plymouth, 
I was there three, four months. Obviously, very far for a 19-year-old just to like, like go straight away. But I loved it. Obviously, I only played a handful of games. I think it might have been only 10 games or so. But I loved it down there. Like, just moving up, moving away from home again. Um, like, like doing everything yourself, cooking for yourself, all that. Because even at 18, 19 at Everton, you, we, we had a big house. Um, and there was 15 of us that lived in a house and we had people looking after <laughs> So that was a bit, that was a bit mad. Um, but no, I loved it. And then that's what they, that they going on loan teaches you so much. Um, even away from football, like how to live yourself how and stuff. To, how, to, how, to cut, how to cut your rolls potatoes all nice and that's posh. It. That's and it. Yeah. On your <laughs> that's it. So, um, no, I loved it. And then. I think it was just time when I was, I think, 22, 23, after I had my loan spell at Barnsley um, in the championship, like playing against very big teams, Newcastle and stuff, and I loved it. And that's when I really started to realise, like, it was time for me to to move on from Everton because I still had a year left. Um, mm. And they were talking to me about maybe, like, extend, extending for another year and stuff. But I didn't really want to keep playing 23s football and like just training with the first team every day and playing on a Monday night in Southport, which is what the 23s team did. Um, don't get me wrong, it was still a very good standard because you were playing against your United 23s and all that every single week and stuff. But just gaining that league experience, like playing against, like I just remember the one game that always sticks out for me was when I was at Barnsley playing against Newcastle. Um, last game of the season, if Newcastle won and Brighton drew the last game, Newcastle became championship champions, do you know what I mean? And that game just stood out for me, just being in that atmosphere in the ground mm. of the day and stuff. And like, straight after that, I just remember telling my agent, like, I need to, I need to go out and prove myself on like the league football level now. Good that, because a lot of um, young lads would probably ride it out, wouldn't they? I suppose, and just like sit comfortable in the Premier League environment and all that. So yeah, credit you. Yeah, no, definitely. I know, I know a lot of lads, and that's what I always say to lads nowadays when. They're like 19, 20 and stuff. Like, just go out and like get experience league football. Like, I'm not gonna lie, my first loan at Plymouth, I was terrible. Do you know what I mean? I, mm. I wasn't playing great at all. Um, and I came back from it thinking, I'm never become like I'll never become a footballer, me. So, but it's just things like that. I experience it, and and then I now I always say it to young lads nowadays: if you get the chance to go on loan, take it because there's mm. no point like doing what you're doing now if you're not gonna get the chance. In the first team for whoever you play for, just go out and get some experience. Well, that's it, isn't it? Like you look at what Traff and Connor did and Shola did last season for us. Yeah, it's all yeah. it's got all good experiences for them three, isn't it? Really, as well. No, you know, having that fan engagement as well, like it's completely different, isn't it? Playing in a yeah. in a proper stadium with like the fans and watching week in week out and really invested in you as you part you become part of the family as a lone player mm-hmm. and. It must be nice to kind of get that back as a no, player. 100%, yeah, hundred percent. Like, like with with Connor, obviously, Connor had never been on loan before, and we—I'll be honest—we didn't know much of Connor when he first came in. We never like yeah. heard anything about him and mm-hmm. stuff. And like that season he had with us, like it was unbelievable. And like the, the fans loved him. He loved the fans. Like he he obviously he was disappointed with him getting promoted, and you never know, like. 
we were hoping, obviously, if we got promoted and Connor did get the chance to come out alone again, that he'd come back to us in the yeah, championship. Yeah. But we all hope that. That's why, that's why he obviously got so upset because he was probably thinking it himself. You never know. But just for him, though, like he's obviously gained that experience and obviously he struggled at the start of this season with his back injury or whatever it was. But he's now he's now regularly in the first team there and like good on him because he deserves it. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you're so, like best mate. Like best mate you two on that right side last season, weren't you? Yeah, no, I love playing, yeah. playing with him. Like he was a good lad. Like I when he first came in, like I remember first couple of weeks he just like sat down with me and he was only nineteen and obviously a quiet lad when he first came in and just spoke to me and asked me like like how do you play here and stuff. And I just tried to teach him as much as I could, do you know what I mean, and tell him like exactly and obviously the manager did it. We do so many meetings at training and stuff. Mm. Um, on how we play and he bought into it so well and he was mm. perfect for us. There's quite a few rumours going around that Liverpool came to watch your lot, you lot quite a lot before they sent him on, on loan. Is there any kind of truth in that, do you think? I'm or? not sure, to be honest. It won't surprise me because, to be fair, like, I know a lot of Premier League teams do that nowadays. They obviously mm. go out there like, obviously they'll, they would have heard that Bolton, we played some good football, but they obviously want to see it themselves. So, that wouldn't yeah. surprise me, no. Like, we obviously want to see if it fits his style and if yeah. it's perfect for him. And obviously, the way we play with high intensity and stuff, playing out from the back, obviously, it's something that Liverpool Liverpool obviously do. And that's why they sent him sent him out on loan to us. Yeah, I watched, I watched him in pre-season when they were, I don't know what country they were playing in Liverpool, but they, he, he was playing in kind of like an inverted fullback. Wow. Yeah, just, you know, just just in, just in, in, inside. Yeah, I inside. watched that game as well. And the Did you? Yeah, we yeah, all watched yeah. it. Yeah, we got it. I can't remember who we were against, to be fair, but no. it was quite quite an interesting role for him. I was obviously purely watching him and just kind of watching how he's performing and stuff. Yeah, no, I remember he, he told he told us all that he was starting in one of the preseason games. And obviously, we've got the TV in the canteen and stuff. So when we were having lunch, we were all like, get Connor on, get Connor on. Yeah. And um, no, we were, it was obviously a different kind of role for him again, like something yeah. for him. So obviously learn and experience again, like that inverted fullback role. And obviously after that, he's obviously struggled with injury, but hopefully he can get back to his feet and hopefully start a lot more games for Liverpool. I think he needs one loan again next season, mate, in Championship. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. Not that he's had to take a step back because he's back injured or whatever it is, but I think that would be a good idea for him, to be honest. Somewhere where he knows, somewhere he feels at home. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, settle straight in. Not too far away from Liverpool. <laughs> Could happen. Um, so Fleetwood, it didn't really take off for you yet, but you took some time away and went on loan to Mansfield. Um, what was it like at, what, 23, 24 years old? wanting to get that break i imagine it, at this stage it's getting quite frustrating for you you just want continuity and to kick on with your career what was it like for you at that point yeah it was frustrating um i remember when i signed for fleetwood to start off with i loved it i loved it there carl Dempsey was there at the same time and oh, we right, were doing, okay. doing really well um and but that was under uve rosler um he brought me in at yeah. fleetwood and then obviously Towards the end of that season, we, we struggled, I think, five of the games. And then the chairman just sacked him straight away. And we were all like, wow, like because we'd done really well there at Fleetwood for a bit. Um, and then, obviously, things changed. Joey Barton came in. And, like, 
nothing against Joey, but obviously he just didn't see me in favour. Sorry, Jack, sorry I had to laugh yet with him. He with, didn't with, see with, me, with Jack Lee, so fair enough. Like, listen, like, every manager can see every player differently. And yeah. he was like, after I remember playing the first few games and then straight away after he said, like, I think you're not you're not in my plans. Um, yeah, just straight up like that. And he said it to a few of us, which is fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Listen, it happens in every club. Like, manager will come in and if you've started every game under the other manager, you might not. It doesn't guarantee that you're playing under this new manager. Do you know what I mean? Like, every, mm-hmm. every manager, every footballer, every fan has their own way and view of football. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it happens, and then obviously it was frustrating because I had to obviously go on loan to Mansfield. I loved it there, though. I loved it. Um, started like getting getting minutes again. Um, got into the playoffs with Mansfield in League Two, um, and then we came up against Josh Sheehan's Newport in the semi-finals, and he knocked us out on penalties. Um, so I was devastated about that. But yeah, it was it was frustrating because I still had another two years at Fleetwood so after that season I still had another two years but I knew I was going to go back in pre-season at Fleetwood and I knew what the answer was going to be anyway however well I did at Mansfield I knew I was going to just go back the pre-season and probably leave um which is difficult because obviously you're driving into your to your work to and you know you're not in favor straight away before even getting in the car in the morning so that Mm. was difficult um but then I just remember concentrating on myself and concentrating on fitness and then Fleetwood and us like came to an agreement that I could like come out of my contract and stuff and I then became a free agent and to be honest with you it was it was so difficult at the time like I just took two three weeks out of football like I had clubs ringing me and I didn't want to like do anything for like two three weeks I was just like from, from going yeah from going straight from Everton for 10 11 years to then go into Fleetwood and things just changed quickly in 18 months and I just thought like what what's happened here like I'm now a free agent um and like I always think back mad because I was a free agent 18 months after leaving Everton but I still had like nearly two years left at Everton so I could have still played for Everton during that whole time but I took the chance to obviously go away to prove myself yeah, and that was the most frustrating bit because I felt like I didn't really get the actual chance where I did go. Um, no disrespect to any manager or anything, but I didn't feel like myself. I didn't get the chance. Um, so I just took a few weeks out of football, and then my my best mate Louis Gray at the time he was at Everton with me, um, played for Carlisle, mm. and then I remember the assistant manager at Carlisle ringing me one day saying like, "Just come up, like no pressure, pressure, just." come and train um and then i spoke to my agent was like listen i'm gonna do it because my best mates up there mm. um i'll have a little car school going meet in preston drive up um and like just enjoy football again and then i was yeah. there for two days and the manager said we want to sign yeah but no pressure because they knew my situation like my mate obviously told them that i was in the right space of mind at the time but i just thought yeah listen i've enjoyed the two days i've been here i'm i want to sign I'll tell you oh. what, Geth, you've put some miles in you, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Australia. Oh, yeah. Well, in Plymouth, yeah. it's Carlisle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking yeah. down the bloody country. That's why I've had to change the car every two years. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> I've ruined them. 
PCB are not going to like you, are they? Put your mileage limit on and you're not going like 45, it's not over it. Uh, no, that was, that was tough because I, I had to stay up in Carlisle like three times a week. Um, they had a house up there just outside the stadium <clears throat> that a few of us could stay in. Um, but that, that was just something I just wanted to enjoy football again because I felt mm. like at that age, like I said, like I was getting frustrated. I started to fall out of love with football. Yeah, yeah. And I just didn't want that to happen. So I literally said to myself, wherever I go next, like, because I had League One clubs after me. I had League One clubs, like, ringing me up saying, like, we'd like you to come here and stuff. But I didn't want to, like, go to another League One club again and not play. And then mm-hmm. being like, oh, bloody hell. And then back to square one. Yeah, yeah. And we went to Carlisle. Like, the manager said, listen, like, you'll play every single minute that you're fit for me. So I was like, perfect. So I really enjoyed it. And then obviously COVID hit. Um, so then the season obviously finished. But as a whole, though, Geth, that was a largely successful time, though, wasn't it? I think you made, was it 30 appearances for Carlisle? Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah, no, I loved it. I, loved it. I, pre- I, pre- I presume you, you looked at that and thought, yeah, this this is me settled now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm comfortable with this club or this level or what was your thought process at that time? I loved it. Uh, every every game I was fit, I played there, and like obviously when I first went there it was Stephen Presley, and then he got sacked, and then Chris Beach came in, um, and I loved it. And obviously COVID hit, um, and obviously we had three four months of doing nothing. Um, and obviously my first thought was when the season comes back, I'm going to go back to Carlisle, obviously. But yeah. that's when obviously our gaffer now ever obviously signed. For Bolton, and um, I knew Jilks, Matthew Jilks, to keep yeah. the coach obviously at Fleetwood because I was at Fleetwood with him. Ah, of course. Um, yeah. And he put a word in for me, and then ever said that he'd seen me play before. And I just got a phone call out of nowhere saying, like, we want you to, to come to Bolton. And then I just oh. said, I'm not going back to Carlisle. <laughs> What's your not not within the questions questions that we, we were looking to ask you, but Bolton related? Like, what's your like childhood kind of memory? Obviously, one just because you you quite clearly just jumped to the opportunity. Is that because that you grew up as as a Premier League football fan and you used yeah. to us type? Of yeah, thing? obviously, like JJ Kocher. You just remember like Gary Speed, like obviously being Welsh and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Remember Gary Speed. You just remember like Kevin Davis. Kevin, no, you remember all them great players and all the good games that they were obviously back then the Reebok Stadium. But mm-hmm. um, no, I, I obviously as soon as Bolton came in and the manager came in to sign me, I, I couldn't, I couldn't turn it down. Like I knew it was a massive club, and like I've loved every single minute since. Because MJ was saying to us that he he, he were actually in was it in a box? Did he say or on the away end with Liverpool at some point? As a, as yeah, a yeah, it was yeah. box, wasn't he? Yeah, did yeah. you ever get a chance to go to a game or oh, yeah. No, nah, no, I didn't because obviously as soon as um preseason started, I was just straight back straight in. So mm-hmm. um I didn't get to do any of that. But I remember I remember MJ texting me like two weeks before he actually signed saying, Geth, like, um, your manager's interested in signing me. I said to him, Don't be silly, like you're coming. Do you know what I mean? Like you're coming. <laughs> Don't. So I remember him saying to me that he was coming to one of our games and stuff. Um, and then I think it was late in Orient at home, it might have been. Um, he came to watch us play and then on the Monday he'd signed. So that was, it was good to have MJ over here. 
Yeah, I bet. Brilliant. Just before we go any further, we've uh, we've had a, a message in the chat from from Lucy asking for uh, for a shout out. Guess you might know who they are. Oh, Lucy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've got to give a shout out to, to guest family with Chris, Sandra, Emily, Lewis and Lucy. Thank you all very much for joining us. <laughs> it's uh, a pleasure to have you all with us. Sorry, so, I'm, I'm lost here. I don't, I don't even take much for me to get confused. What, what's the connection? <laughs> so it's my missus' cousin and her ah. auntie and stuff. They're from like Bolton originally. Ah. Um, well, I think her, auntie, her auntie's from Wales. Um, who obviously then moved over to Bolton um, as a family, and then so she's got two cousins in Bolton. Yeah, and I think it was thanks to Lucy. Thanks to Lucy that we kind of managed to get in touch with you. That's So you came over to Bolton, and obviously you knew Jilks and Everett had been in touch. How did you find your first sort of? How did you bed in at Bolton? How did you fit in with the squad? Because obviously it was it must have been a a pretty massive project that um, Everett was looking to build. How did you buy into that? What did he sort of, how did he get you on board? It was very different. Um, obviously, the club were going through a rebuild and stuff. And obviously, when you sign for, for new clubs normally, the squad, they all know each other. And you're the one that's trying to get to know everyone. Mm. But I remember walking into the change rooms and the, I think they might have been in pre-season a week. So they've been with each other maybe five, six days. I remember walking in and no one was hardly talking to each other because there was obviously 20 brand new players like in the changing rooms. Um, no one really, maybe one or two have played together like before. But other than that, everyone was new. So we were all trying to get to know each other, which probably in fairness, like explains why we didn't really start so well in the season mm -hmm. that year. Um, which is really difficult. Um, <laughs> really difficult. Just get past that, baby. No, I don't mind, honestly, because it's something that, like, I always look back on, and like, our manager, like, he always said to us, even if we lost the game, he was like, "Listen, I still want us to play this way. Like, we mm -hmm. will get it right. We will get it right." And he believed in us. And obviously, a lot of players left. New players came in. Mm -hmm. And then obviously since January, February, <clears throat> we cracked on and then mm. we went, we went. I can't remember, 15 games maybe unbeaten or something um, towards the end of the season. And then, yeah, we got promoted and it was unbelievable. Like, I remember when we started picking up wins after, at the end of February, maybe, we were coming in, like, sometimes, like, joking, Century Trail, we were creeping up the table, we were getting to 14, we were getting to 12. And we were, like, saying to each other, like, there's... 15 games left. If we if we can win 12, we'll get promoted. And then we were, doing, we were winning again and we were going, okay, win 11, win 10. <laughs> and then we kept on doing it. And then we were like, we're actually going to do this. I remember like two, three games left. We we obviously messed up when we played oh, yeah, that that so. yeah. yeah, we obviously messed up that day with all the fans, obviously. You <laughs> as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. you trying to blame us? Is that what it is? <laughs> We obviously messed up as a as a as a team. Like yeah, um we were devastated. Um because obviously it was so weird that season because obviously we had none of you fans in the stadium. It was and honestly when you came that day, um and when we were walking into the stadium just seeing all the fans, 
it was like a bit weird because obviously COVID and we yeah. hadn't been around anyone like for mm. so long and obviously we were there because all we were saying that day was oh if we can win this game we can go outside the stadium and celebrate with the fans but then obviously we messed up and then we had Crawley away um and that was a, like but I knew honestly and I, I know everyone's probably said this like when we came off that pitch and in the change rooms after that exit of the game, no one said a word for about 15, 20 minutes in the changing rooms. And I just remember the manager saying, like, we'll do it next week. Mm. And we, we were all gobsmacked. We were all like, oh, no. But I knew from the minute we walked out that stadium, we were going to win next Saturday. Just because it hurt everyone so much mm. that day that we didn't do it. We knew, I knew that every lad would come in on that Monday in training and everyone would be on it every yeah, single yeah. day preparing for Crawley. And I you, knew- could, you probably bottled it up, didn't you? That 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 emotion, that that feeling and just think, right, we'll use this yeah. type yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Because I just remember that's the, like, I've never been in a change room like that before after a loss before. Oh, what could be said about that though, Geth, really? Because you've got to have the right characters in the dressing room for that to work. Do you get what I mean? You know, you oh, might yeah. really need to fury, it? Like not to believe in, in in that and fail type of thing. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Like we had we had a brilliant squad like that season, obviously, and it probably helped to be honest that we had obviously Jill O'Jilts to obviously he was a player coach and he'd obviously played Premier League. We had Bap, yeah. Salis, Baptiste. Like he was, he was unbelievable in the change of rooms. I like the older lads back then, like you had Doyle and like Sars was obviously the captain at the time. And us other lads were obviously just coming through like, and, but you just knew that day that we were, we were going to do it the following week. Like we didn't really speak about it on the Monday. We just took it as another day and we was just, like we didn't think if we win next Saturday, we're promoted. We just th- mm-hmm. took it as another game. Like we're the game here and we're gonna go down there, do business, and just win a football game. I think and having um, sorry, Geth, I'll say having okay. Kieran Lee, having Kieran Lee in your squad in League Two probably helps, though, doesn't it? <laughs> I always forget Kieran Lee because he was so quiet. He just went about his business every On single fire. day. He, honestly, we called him the goat. We called yeah. him. Yeah. So you, before when you said about the goat, you should have just yeah. said no, but honestly, like, he used to just come in, like, quiet, good lucky, and he just do his business and go home. And it was the same on match days. Like, he just he used to, he used to wow. drift through games, and he was just unbelievable. So, just having someone like Kieran. But I remember that day in Crawley, and I think we went 2-0 up. And then Crawley player got a red card, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and Rico hadn't realised that he got sent off. <laughs> and I was going to Reeds. I was going, Reeks. Like, I was smiling at him because we were 2 0 up. And Rico was like, What? I was like, Sent off. And he looked at me and was like, like <laughs> That's when we knew we're doing it. We're doing it that day. Um, and then obviously, yeah, it was just a brilliant weekend in the end. What a day, in the words of Chris Darson. Oh, what a day. What a day. <laughs> the first that's time we ever met you, though, as, as players, because it, I, I, we've just had a, a message in the post from Jack Halliwell who said he was outside the gates at Crawley waiting and Darren Prattley feeding us pizza and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, Sorry? 
Why was Darren Pratt? I was just reading that. I was thinking, hang on a minute. <laughs> you got to elaborate on that, Jack. You might have that, <laughs> Jack, can you, can you fill us in on that? Because he, he's not played for us for a while. Um, <laughs> but I remember being at the hotel afterwards. Um, and I always drag this story out, but it was like the first time that we actually got to see you as people. Mm. Um, and it, it was, it, obviously it was surreal for the players, but equally very, very surreal for us as fans to actually mm. see what we've been watching on iFollow yeah. all season and then seeing you come running out of the hotel. I think MJ was the first one to come running out. And it was... Um, a mad moment. Yeah, no, I, I remember it very well. Like, I just remember, obviously, a couple of lads were sick on the bus on the way back from the big <laughs> drink. Who? Who? Who again? You know, don't you? Oh, we do. We do know. <laughs> yeah, Nah, but I just remember, like, we were getting closer to Bolton and then the driver was telling us that we we couldn't just go straight back to the stadium. We were like, why, why? We were like, there's there's a lot of fans there. We, we all knew, like, we all knew that Bolton's a massive club, and but because we hadn't experienced it all season, it was still a big shock for us. We were like, oh, my God, yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I remember obviously getting back to the stadium and we couldn't get out the, on the, off the bus, yeah. could we? So yeah. we have to drive off. The police are like, no, we need to drive. Drive. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> we thought he'd gone. We'd be yeah, waiting there hours as well. We thought, oh, no, they've gone now. <laughs> oh, uh, Jack, no. Jack's just mentioned that it was, he, he's, he's seemingly got Darren Prattley and uh, Alex Baptiste. <laughs> 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 oh, Baps. No, that was an unbelievable weekend. Because I remember the police even telling us, like, listen, we're going to put in the back of the vans, sneak around the stadium. And once you get into the hotel and you can carry on partying, like, don't go outside. Yeah. And we were all looking at each other as players and we were like, I am going outside. <laughs> <laughs> we're going outside. And then I remember the manager saying, no, come on, you're going out. And then I remember as well, we were upstairs and we just started running downstairs. Oh, and obviously, celebrating with the fans. That was that was good, yeah. Yeah. Good so just... Going back, get it. You spoke briefly about what football meant to you as a kid, kind of at Everton as a 13, 14 year old. But what does it mean to you now as the vice captain of Bolton Wanderers Football Club? What does football mean to Gethin Jones? No, still, it's still like an, like an honour. Every time I always think, like, oh, vice captain of Bolton, like, it's massive to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember. The, the day the manager pulled me on it, we was on the training pitch and he came up to me and was like, listen, I want you to be the vice captain. And I was just a bit like, wow, like from where I come from, because there's no one like in my area back in Wales, there's no, no one ever made it in football, like not at league level or anything. So I'm like, obviously I was like proud enough to be like the first footballer to come out of my area. But then, like to be a vice captain now of Bolton, like such a massive club, like a club that everyone knows about. Um, yeah, it's it. I'm obviously very proud of that, and obviously just want to keep keep going and doing well for Bolton. Mm. 
How much of a... It's a question that I've, I've been meaning to ask for a, a while, actually, when we've had guests on who've played in the team in League Two when we were behind closed doors. How much of a challenge was it for you to then go from no fans to, like, 20-plus thousand in the stadium? Because, yeah, like, from where I was sat, I was thinking... I was wondering, like, this is this must be difficult for these lads. Like, the expectation straight away, in it, you know, is on you. I was... Yeah. No, it was weird. It was very weird. Like, because obviously it was because it's such a like good and big stadium as well. Like on match days, like you know, like little things as in when he's shouting at someone, it would echo around the stadium. Oh yeah, because yeah. there was no fans there. Like just yeah. little things like that was just so strange. And honestly, it was like very difficult to get yourself up for games as well, knowing mm-hmm. that you're going to the stadium like might be playing away somewhere and there's no fans there because. Honestly, sometimes like going to away grounds, like it gives you a buzz knowing that mm. their fans might hate you. Like I, mm. I like it sometimes. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I get called a Welsh so and so. Like do you know what I mean? Like and I love it. I thrive off that. Like <laughs> like when the fans will be saying stuff to me when I'm taking a throw in or whatever, I'll just look back at them and smile. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I buzz off it, like, because obviously if we come off the pitch at the end and win, like, won, yeah. yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, it was very difficult. It was very difficult. And then I think the first game we obviously had your fans back was, was it the preseason game against Blackburn? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah, actually, yeah. And I just remember, like, walking into the stadium that day and manager was like, like, come on, we're going to go out there today and show the fans, like, what we're all about. And I just remember walking out and just from experiencing a whole season, um, not, like when the manager shouts and stuff like yeah, you can you can hear it. You can hear mm-hmm. it. But when you're trying to shout at Rico, say I'm I'm trying to shout at Rico on the pitch, he couldn't hear me. I was like Reeks, Reeks. But because we got so used to having no fans, it was obviously yeah. difficult again to get used to having fans back in because things changed on the pitch for us. Like yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Striker, yes, if I'm striking at striker to to do a job or something, they wouldn't hear me. Um, so it was it was a big change for us, um, for his players, but obviously it was massive for you as well. And mm. obviously it was just it was unbelievable to get your fans back. Mm. So yeah. where are we now? We're oh, well over a hundred appearances for the Wanderers now, and it's pretty clear you become Mister Consistent, Mister Seven and a Half out of Ten every week. You know what I mean? Um, but obviously, without any sort of disrespect for a brief spell, that perhaps wasn't the case. Um, and obviously, we, we, we found out why in time. How, how, how difficult is it, Gaff, when fans are criticising your form? Um, when there's obviously there's, there's more to life than football, and there's obviously underlying uh, reasons for that. From a personal perspective, how difficult is that? Yeah, it's difficult. Obviously, like every every sometimes I think fans. I'm not just saying like bottom fans. Like no, no, no. Fans, like, I'm just saying like they sort of forget that we're actually human beings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're not just robots that go on a football pitch and kick a ball. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like we've actually yeah. got lives outside of football, and people might be struggling with things and. So yeah, it's it's difficult sometimes because obviously the way social media is nowadays. But mm. 
Listen, like we're in the industry, like we know what we were getting ourselves into when we first wanted to play football. Um, and it was difficult, obviously, yeah, to come to come home and stuff. And if you've had a bad game, like I'd literally just throw my phone away and I wouldn't want to look at it because I knew it would affect me. Like as time's gone on, like I've got better with it. Um, after everything that's happened, obviously, no, there's there's more to to life than football. And if I've had a bad game, like obviously, I'm still disappointed and obviously annoyed at myself. But I then turned around and said, like, there's a lot of things that happen in life, and I'll just crack on and look forward to going back in on Monday and putting it putting it right on the pitch. Fair play, fair play for answering that as well, mate. Thank you. Absolutely, yeah. So. I'm, I'm just going to read a quote. I think it was from, from Mark uh, at, the, at the Bolton News. Uh, and, and you said, honestly, without this club, I wouldn't be playing football right now. When it happened, I could have quit football. Everyone here was to support. Everyone was here to support me. And it was an emotional day. But that goal was for my mum. And that was when you scored at Wembley. Uh, and now that's obviously something that very few people can even begin to relate to or, or even imagine how it must feel. Um so as a player, how did that affect you and your family? And did it make it more difficult, perhaps, playing for a club that values people and, obviously, the fans and the community so much? Yeah, listen, like, everything that's happened, like, I can't thank Sharon, the club, the manager, my teammates, and obviously you fans for all the support, like, my myself and my family got through everything and like yeah it was it was it was very difficult um football was like an an escape for me at the time mm. like during everything like i just remember like when i was away from football like it was just it was just very dark and like i was always trying to get home and look after me mom and stuff and do everything to help her and after she passed away obviously <clears throat> sharon and the manager said listen like just take as much time away from football as you want. Um, and I remember just saying to myself, I'll, I'll take this week and then I'll come back. But I just wasn't, I wasn't ready to come back like, mm. at all. Um, and the manager understood. I was like ringing the manager saying like, listen, like, I don't think I'm ready to come back yet. And he was like, honestly, don't feel pressured to come back at all. Like take as much time as you want. Um, and then I just remember the funeral when like the whole squad and Sharon, the manager and everyone came down all the way down to Wales. And that's when I knew like, this is just a, a family club. Do you know what I mean? Like Sharon's, Sharon's unbelievable, the manager. Um, and that's when I knew after the funeral, I, I want to go back now because I've got teammates there. I'm not on my own. Like if I go mm. into or like, I'll know they'll still look after me when I'm in. And the manager was the same. Like he was every single day when I was back in training. He was like, "Listen, do you want to? Are you okay? Like, are you sure you want to come back?" And I was like, "No, yeah, no, I do want to be back." Um, and I just wanted to give something back to, obviously, the fans, the club, Sharon, the manager, and just wanted to play my part in playing football again. And it was it was difficult, obviously, because it's such a massive club, and obviously the pressure and like delivering every single week playing like 20,000 fans and going out there mm -hmm. and doing it. And it, it, was, it was difficult, but the manager and the club and everyone was, was so positive and like keeping me on my feet and like looking after me 
that's what got me through it. Um, and I still stick to it now, like when my mum passed away and I, I literally could have like just quit football. Like I was literally, I didn't know what to do. And being like the oldest for my younger brother, my younger sister, and obviously my dad, I was just trying to like look after them as well. And I didn't really take time to look after myself either, which mm -hmm. made it hard. Um, but yeah, I just want I just wanted to, to come back to football, and because the amount of support I got given from you fans and Sharon and the manager and everyone, my teammates, like I knew I, I wanted to come back because they were so supportive of me and my family. I just wanted to give something back. Yeah, a, a big contributor, guess, to the support that the club give you was the match um, for MND, obviously when. You know the the former players came and obviously you you had a, you had a match with with them. What what was that like for you? No, it was good. Yeah, no, it was unbelievable. I remember the club telling me that they wanted to sort of organise a weekend for my mum and stuff. Um, so we obviously did like a black tie dinner on the Saturday night, um, yeah. and then obviously the game on the Sunday. But I remember then the club telling me, "Oh, we'll sort like getting these legends over who played obviously the game in the past and stuff." and I was thinking like, okay, but I was thinking to myself, it's going to be so hard getting JJ Okocha over and stuff like that. <laughs> and then I remember one day, like, I can't remember who it was exactly now. It might, I might have been on Twitter, actually. Um, I remember Kevin Davis just followed me on Twitter and then obviously followed him back and then he just started messaging me. Um, and he was like, listen, pal, like, sorry about everything, but I've looked into, like, what you're doing. Um I want to help you and bring all the players back. So I was like, wow, okay, right. So he was in constant like phone calls, texts. I remember being home one weekend back in Wales, like looking looking after my mum, seeing my dad and stuff. And then I just remember Kevin Davis like texting me, it was about half past nine at night saying, Is there any chance I can call you? So I was like, Yeah. Because normally he wouldn't he would leave, like leave me alone at night and stuff, but I knew it would mean something quite important or like good. And he rang me and was like, we've got him. I was like, who? And he's like, we've got JJ Okocha coming. Got him. I was like, what? And obviously, <laughs> my mum didn't really know like who JJ Okocha was because, yeah, she was a football fan, but not a massive yeah. fan and didn't know like the, her plays and stuff. But because we'd spoke about it so much in the house and stuff, yeah. Um, I remember coming off the phone like saying, oh, JJ Cotter's coming. I just remember like the smile on her face. Like it was just like, and that like obviously hit me and stuff. And I just couldn't thank like obviously Kevin Davis at the same time, like bringing all the players over and the club managed to bring loads of players, sorting it all out, sorting their accommodation when they come over and stuff. And now it was just, it was just an amazing weekend. But I was just obviously frustrated myself because I was injured. So I couldn't yeah, even play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. I remember because. I was on the side and the manager said to me that morning, he was like, listen, you can be the manager of our team. So I was like, right, okay. And then I remember, um, I don't know who it was. It might have been Alan Stubbs, maybe. Because obviously I knew Alan Stubbs from the days at Everton. Um, and I remember being on the side of the pitch and Alan Stubbs was like shouting me to come on. But I was like, I was in me like, me normal. <laughs> He was just just take the kick off. But I hadn't nice. started I hadn't started jogging yet, like or anything in training. 
Like I was still like walking and I remember started jogging and I remember hearing Matt Barris behind me, the physio, shouting, Oi, what are you doing jogging? <laughs> I remember him shouting me and I was like, oh yeah, I'm injured, aren't I? I just, like, it was so unexpected. I just started jogging all of a sudden and then, no, it was just an unbelievable day. Um, the whole weekend really and honestly, it just it raised so much money, not just for me more, just but like Stephen Darby, like he's been yeah. his foundation everything to do with M&D like it's just something that I'm still looking in the future to like like raise a lot more money and raise awareness to the cruel disease and stuff so yeah no it was just an unbelievable weekend but to be fair Geth though you, you probably consider yourself quite lucky that you didn't play because you didn't you wouldn't want 50 odd year old JJ Koch taking no. the mickey out of you <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, right. say, if I would have played I would have just asked to be a keeper or something do you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> no, it was unbelievable to see so many players obviously come for and stuff back and yeah. these are all players that was we'd look up to when we were like kids and mm. stuff like seeing them playing in the Premier League and stuff and then seeing them on the pitch against against us and no it was just an unbelievable weekend yeah do you still keep in touch with kev davis well kev davis yeah he he does message every so often like asking how things are and stuff and obviously keeps track and like how we're doing and stuff like that so yeah no he he was unbelievable through everything like that was going on there and no he 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 still looks into like how we do and stuff yeah you want to it's probably a good thing that you you see in that side of kevin davis and the one on the pitch because i don't think you probably want to play against him would you no 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 i know i know he's like there he wasn't he throwing elbows and right, yeah. Yeah, pretty no, sure no. if you were pretty sure he was still playing now he'd, he'd be sent off pretty much every day <laughs> so, yeah, i remember i remember yeah. before the game in the tunnel i remember like me saying to him like um like take it easy on the lads today <laughs> And he was like, he said to me, Look, I've been training, I've been training the last few weeks to be good. So I was thinking, oh, someone's going to get injured today. <laughs> nah, but it was, nah, it was, it was good to have them all over, yeah. So then, Geth, obviously, after what was a pretty horrendous mentally draining and physically draining year that you'd had, you managed to get to Wembley. Mm-hmm. And then, not only did you play at Wembley, you scored. At Wembley so how did that feel both kind of personally like for you for your mental health and professionally um yeah it was it was honestly like I say this all the time like I still can't remember most of that game yeah. like you know just because like we blew Plymouth away and like yeah. just from I remember when I scored like when I scored I came off the pitch and I was thinking to myself, how did I actually score that goal? I couldn't even know how I scored it. And I remember going on my phone and like seeing all my mates like sending me videos and stuff. And I was like, heck, is that how I scored? Like, it was just something like, I can't describe it. Like, it was obviously very emotional um, considering everything with my mum and stuff because like the hardest thing was when my mum got diagnosed obviously we were looking already that season to get into the playoffs and obviously that was our aim that season yeah and my mum always said listen like however i am like i'm making sure i'm coming down to wembley if you make the playoff final <laughs> um obviously it wasn't the playoff final because obviously it was the pathogens but obviously it was still maybe an opportunity for her to make it to wembley to come and watch me and i think that's what hit me the most that day knowing that i had 40, 45, 
family members and friends traveled all the way down and I just remember when I scored like it was just so emotional like I, I just started obviously crying and stuff and mm. I just remember Rico I think a lot of us started crying with you guys oh, <laughs> it was just so unexpected like I just I like it was nothing like it just came out of nowhere and I just remember thinking like from her telling me that she wanted to come to Wembley to watch me play and obviously she couldn't be there and then I just remember like feeling a big arm around my shoulder Rico <laughs> and he was like come on come and celebrate with the fans and then that's when I obviously started running over to the fans and stuff and yeah nah it was obviously that goal was obviously for my mum but it was obviously for the whole club and obviously the fans and stuff for all the support I got through everything. Jeez, special. Sorry. There's <laughs> a lot of people chopping onions in the chat as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what it was for me. It wasn't so much, I mean, the reaction to the goal, I just remember when we went to collect the trophy, there was a there was a a, a, a shot of Sharon embracing you as the trophy was being handed out mm. and the players were well, sorry the medals were being handed out and she she grabbed you and hugged you and it was like she was doing it with all the players but it just seemed to mean more that yeah. particular embrace and that was like that 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 was what sent me over the edge it was yeah. such a, a beautiful moment that honestly like i can't thank Sharon enough like everything she's done for me a moment family like she will still be in contact all the time now and my Sharon like traveled to Wales a few times to to see my mum like even after that weekend um mm -hmm. she went to see my mum and stuff and anytime I my mum was coming up to a, to a game or something like she didn't get to come up often but Sharon would make sure she was up, always there to go and see her and they had an instant connection Sharon and my mum um and she's still in contact, Sharon, with my dad. She still texts my little sister all the time. Like my little sister came up to a game a few weeks ago and Sharon like texted my sister saying like, if you come in, like, just make sure you come and see me. So my little sister got to go and see her in a, in a chairman's suite and stuff. And I'm in constant dialogue with Sharon myself. Um, like she's been unbelievable with me. And that's why like, I, I that's why I, I wouldn't be playing football if it wasn't for Sharon and this club and the manager and stuff. Because everything that I that I went through, like I don't think I would have got that kind of support anywhere else. Not being disrespectful mm -hmm. to any other, no, no, any other no, team no. or anything, but it was just the way Sharon was and the manager was and my teammates at the time was. They were just all supportive towards me and my family and stuff. And yeah, it was it was special. I have to say we've got the the chat dialogue going down the right hand side of the screen here which obviously Geth, you can't see yeah. uh i i have i thought you guys but i've never seen so many amazing words and beautiful sort of sentiments ever since we've had a player on here and that includes well you've seen who we've had on um it's unreal it yeah. genuinely is. It's, I think it's, it speaks volumes. I'm getting quite emotional. <laughs> yeah, I am proper. Turn your camera off. Obviously, I've connected with the fans, like, and I'm hoping, like, it's not just because of 
everything no. that's happened as well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like I've obviously been here well three and a half years now, and I've loved every single minute. And yeah. like it would just be a dream for me now to to get this club back to where it belongs. You know what I mean? And for me personally, and you've been there from the start, yes. You've been yeah, there yeah, that that regeneration with yeah, with you all it. the way. That's what I think makes it special. Like obviously, it's only me and Rico that's mm. left. Obviously, you had young George Thompson coming through the the ranks yeah. at the time, but he wasn't officially a first team player when I first came in. So it was literally just me and Rico that the manager brought in, um, and we're still the only two players. And it would just be special to from that season where to rebuild to get the club back up to at least the championship. Do you know what I mean? So now nah, I've loved every minute. The thing is, as well, you, you you're obviously coming into your prime now, aren't you? So like from a football perspective, you you're at the you're at your peak, aren't you? Do you get what I mean? So, like, yeah, yeah. Your, your contribution on the football side of things is is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so that obviously you, you know that it's only going to help us progress if you can no, carry on performing the way you're doing. Obviously. Yeah, no, definitely. Listen, like that when when we first came in, like like I said, like we were all just getting to know each other, and like every, I've said it in interviews before, where every six months I've been here, we've always progressed. We've always progressed, mm-hmm. and that's the way the manager is and the way Sharon is and the way we go about it in training every single day. Like we never rest on our own. We go every single day. Like I think lads have said it in interviews before where when we go out and training, um, like the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes of training, you always do a little pass and drill. But if the pass and drill is not right, the manager will be screaming at you, like saying, <laughs> trying to pass ups. And that's just, it's like, it's constantly the lads like it we just want to be winners every yeah. single day in everything that you do whether that's like training like the gym looking after yourself off the pitch just do the best you can because it is a short career yeah yeah a short career and the manager always says it like he like misses big games sometimes and when we play in big games he's like he always says to us oh these are the kind of games that i wish I was playing in today, so that's it. We need the to, time you need to like. yeah, and you need to go. You need to not waste your time because it goes quickly. Like mm. I find it, like I find it bonkers now that I've been at the club nearly four years. Mm. Like, it's gone like that. Like it just goes past like so quick, and you just need to take it in every single day and enjoy it. Obviously, like don't put too much stress on yourself because if you put too much stress, then your performances start to do. Like you need to be relaxed going into games. You need to believe in yourself, which is something the manager does brilliantly every single day with every single one of us. Whether you're a striker, keeper, defender, midfielder, the strikers aren't scoring. He'll keep saying to them, "Listen, you're my player. I want. I brought you in for a reason." Mm-hmm. Gives them belief, mm-hmm. and that's why we were so devastated recently that, like Dan, will probably be like first to admit oh. that. He wasn't getting the best of times at Bolton when he first came. And obviously, he's been performing really well recently. Um, And then when when he obviously got injured last week, we were all absolutely devastated for him. Sometimes it takes time for players to to come Mm. into clubs and like bed into the way we play, settle in properly, not just on the field, off the field. And it just seemed like it sort of clicked with Dan in the end. And obviously, it's just a little setback for him, but we've all been supportive. We've all been messaging him, looking after him and making sure he's all well. 
there's a lot of um, information. Obviously, you got to take on board in there as well. You know, from a tactical standpoint, that you know, not necessarily players are going to get straight away. You know, it does take a little bit of time, but it's to take all that information on board. I would have thought. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like, listen, every every team trains differently, plays differently. Yeah, everything off the pitch, even gym is different. Um, the way we go about things are obviously at Bolton, the manager and stuff like everything is intense. Mm-hmm. The way we play is intense. Training is very intense. We do a lot of gym after training. And obviously we've seen like a lot of players who've just come in recently, maybe in the last two years, two and a half years. The first couple of months they've quite they struggled, not just maybe on the pitch, but physically, because mm-hmm. it's so demanding everything that we do every single day on the training mm-hmm. pitch, match days. And it, honestly, it's a massive help that we can make five subs in games. Yeah, so way, yeah, I've always said it. The way we attack and the way we defend as a team, like that, it starts from the strikers. So when yeah. we get clean sheets as defenders, we're applauding the strikers because yeah. the amount of running they do to set it off, like from the start, is unbelievable. And it would be impossible for them to do it for the whole ninety-minute game. Yeah. Which is it's so helpful that we get to do five subs and bring fresh legs on and then yeah. they come on and blow teams away. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it can be difficult for players to come in to start off with, like you said, like different kind of style, the way we want to play on and off the ball is different. We yeah. want to build from the back and stuff and play attractive football. Um, so it, it takes a lot of time for, for players to, to bed into what we do on and off the pitch, but it's, it seems come all together and the lads do well, yeah. Wouldn't mind seeing uh, Dion's vest stats, you know, from his GPRS. Yeah, I know, I know. He doesn't stop. The Duracell bunny. I call him the wasp. I call him the wasp. Me and my dad, I said, my dad, I said, I call him the wasp. Yeah. It's, the same in, it's the same in training, though, and it has to start from training. You can't just jog around in training and expect to turn it on on match days because that's when your legs won't be able to take it. That's when you yeah. do pull up with muscle injuries and stuff from if you're not working out in training and then expecting to just go out there on a Saturday and sprint 150 times or something if Dion does it. Do you know what I mean? Like, he will pull up with injuries and he's the same in training, honestly. He's like, he's horrible to play against. Like, is, yeah. Yeah, like sometimes, you know, like the end of training, like there'll be 10 minutes left and he's been out for maybe two hours and stuff. He'll still be at it. And I look at him and I'm like... <laughs> So no, it's unbelievable. Like he, it, like I said, it, it starts from the front and us defenders. Like obviously, we take the plaudits from the clean sheets, but it's it's a it's a team thing, and it's the same when we score. Like it because we we normally build out from the back and stuff, and we play attractive football. So we score as a team, we concede as a team, we win as a team, and we lose as a team. Um, if we if we if we lose, we we just we just learn from it, and obviously, I know our record in recent years has been good. We haven't really had back to back defeats and stuff, but touch wood, obviously. But um, nah, we we obviously we react from defeats and stuff, and it's something that we've done really well in, and it's just a concentration that all the lads have got. Um, just going back to the subjects of, of, of your mum, yeah. Um, something that we're keen to do is is sort of get some support from the viewers using whatever channels we can. So how can the viewers um, support Derby River, MND, 
um you know as you know as a charity i i could yeah i, I think it's, it's just linked um i think last last year or maybe two years ago like we did a little something back home for m and d association um they've i think got a link where you can like just give money and something that my agent does um every every christmas now like instead of like like he does so much for me anyway he doesn't have to but instead of getting me like a little gift or something he donates money to mnd association um we've got darby rimmons foundation like honestly darbs he was unbelievable with me like and my mom like i remember um darbs just like wanted to get in contact he spoke to my mom came over to to ours in liverpool to meet my mom um and then instantly when the club obviously said that they wanted to do something for my mom and stuff it was us as a family we decided that we wanted to give 25 percent of whatever we made to go to Darby Rimmer's foundation because yeah. he's obviously for him we just couldn't believe he's going through the same thing that my mom was going through mm. but he was so positive like he was just so good in the way he spoke to me he he was looking after me sometimes he had he's got MND yeah, and I, yeah. I couldn't get my head around it. I literally couldn't get my head around it and wow. I still check up on Dabs now. I'll still message him every so often, check up on see how he is and stuff. Um Are you sure you send us send him our best best wishes. Yeah, well? that's yeah, no, I will. I will. Yeah, I will. And the link is in the chat. I think it's just yeah. posted. Oh good, yeah. So no, they've they've been unbelievable down in Derby Rimmers Foundation and obviously us as a family we want to obviously give something back to MD association as well because they had like um people who we could like ring up and speak to if we were struggling whenever we want to do as well so they were supportive with us as well so yeah both of them were, were really good yeah okay well obviously i mean it's it's, it's not going to be massive but we'll 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 get it out there yeah. cheers thank you do our little bit we're going to move on to some guest questions. We've had a couple that came in throughout uh, the episode and obviously uh, on, our, on our socials. Nothing too too detailed, nothing too scary. If you've got any that you want to ask Geff, uh, then drop them in the chat before it's too late and we'll, uh, we'll get some of them on. But uh, Brandon's asked, he said, every time Geff comes out for the second half, without fail, he's munching something. And what's the bar that he's running? <laughs> That's no. a hell of an observation, that isn't it? It's not, I'm not eating anything. It's um, it's called a what are they call now. It's it's a gel. Yeah, it's a like the energy gel thing. Energy gel, yeah. But I really, I, I should really take it before I come out because it sometimes obviously takes like 10, 15 minutes to get into your system and stuff. But I, I'm, I remember doing it like one game, and I think I, I must have played well or something. But I'm, quite superstitious in my ways on game days and stuff like why what time mm-hmm. i eat what time i get to the tra- um stadium um put my left boot on before my right boot yeah yeah and i remember just one day like doing that like taking the gel so i remember running over to the other side in the second half clapping the fans it's the same thing all the time clapping the fans taking a drink Open the jar. You were saying before, Geth, that Pete, you think that fans don't like look at players as robots. You literally are being a robot. <laughs> 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 Only on game day, though. Only on game day, though. But um, 
Nah, yeah, it's so the the energy gels. Yeah, I'm not munching on anything. <laughs> Good question. Uh, was he expecting him to say Snickers or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've had another one that came in this afternoon from Noah, uh, and he's asked, "What's your favourite memory at Bolton?" Obviously, we've been through a couple this evening, but if you could pick one that stands out, which one is it? Oh, um, can I can I say dot? You can't pick Wembley because that's not. Yeah, cool, you can pick what he wants. Nah, well, come on, that is obviously going to be the best one, isn't it? Because that would be too obvious, wouldn't it? Like, exactly, that would be number one. Um, oh, that is a difficult one. Honestly, like I think the uh, League Two promotion when we came back to the stadium, mm, nice. like I can't describe it because we. We obviously didn't have the fans there all season. And like I said to you in the earlier in the podcast, it was just surreal to see all the fans there at whatever time o'clock it was. And like it was just something that we all experienced. And it was very different to and like no one will be able to say that ever again in football. No. Because let's be honest, that's not gonna happen in football again. Like no. COVID's not gonna happen where like there's no fans in the stadium. So we can hardly be a team saying that. We struggled in the start of the season, but then went on to get promotion and just enjoyed that weekend with the fans when we got back to the stadium. So I'd have to say that's probably up there, yeah. Felton. Uh, Chloe said, who's your best friend in the team? Ooh. Oh, that's a tough one. That <laughs> that's is a, a tough one, one isn't it? <laughs> um, obviously, like, if, like I said, like MJ was really close with, but obviously MJ's moved on. Um, but there's a there's a few of the lads that I'm, I'm quite close to. I, I wouldn't say there's anyone in particular. I'm like obviously Rico I've known for for years now. Um, you've got Tolly, who's a great lad. Owen Toll. Um, I'm close with them, like from knowing him in the past and stuff. And we're close. George Johnston, who's like he's hilarious in his own kind of way. He is hilarious. Um, how, how far can he go, Gareth? Oh. From your in your perspective, from your perspective, George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can tell, can't you? He's got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. No, he's good. Um, but no, I'd, I'd say there's a four or five lads that I'm really close with. I'm, I'm not going to single anyone out, but I would say obviously MJ. Um, when he was there. Um, yeah. but there's there's a few of the lads now that I'm quite close with. Speaking of Jono, so every episode when we have a guest on, uh, our last guest leaves a question for the next one. And uh, our previous guest before our one-year special was Mr. George Johnston. So he wasn't happy with just one question. He, he wanted two. Um, so his first one, this is, this is an all right one. He said, if there was a movie about Gethin Jones, which actor would play Gethin Jones? Ooh. Ooh. That's a tough one. Um, who would I say? I love uh, I love Denzel Washington, and I love is it Gerard Butler? Mm-hmm. Them kind of films are action films. I'd have to pick them as actors. But I'd probably go with Gerard Butler. To be fair, yeah. So it's a it's a solid choice. Probably now sure. his second one is uh his second one. Yeah. He's asked, who's going to lose their hair first? Will it be him or will it be you? <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was going to be something stupid coming. And do you know what? He knows, he knows, like, I don't I even have to answer it. I'm not going to embarrass him. 
embarrassing <laughs> lie. Do you know what I mean? But um, I've shown him. We always banter each other in, tra- in training in the physio room every day, and like the the lads are the lads are onto it now that we always get on each other. But all I'm saying is George is already looking on maybe getting a hair transplant. So maybe the question is the bus. Yeah, maybe the question is who's gonna be going to Turkey first? <laughs> nah, but, uh, he's a good lad, George. You always joke around about it. But I knew there was gonna be something stupid like that. that would come into one of the questions. But, nah, yeah, George, I'd have to go, George. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll pass it on. I'm sure if he if he's not watching, we'll uh, we'll let him know what you've said, and we'll uh, we'll pass it on. Um, but that rounds off this evening's episode. So a huge, huge, huge thank you to to Geth for joining us. Uh, we we massively appreciate you taking the time out for us, mate. No, thank you so much for inviting me. Like obviously, I've, like I said, I've seen all the lads do it before, and I was looking forward to come on. Brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, a huge thank you to all of you who've tuned in this evening uh, and putting your comments on. It's been unbelievably busy. Um, so much going on. So thank you all very, very much for joining us. And just before we finish... One, you, you kind of expect that, to be fair. He's vice-captain of the club. <laughs> if we weren't busy tonight, then we've got problems. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and, and just before we finish, a huge shout out to the folks over at Eco Warm Windows, headline sponsors of the Fan Zone podcast for the 2023-24 season. If you want to find out more about them, then head over to our website, www.thefanzonepod.co.uk. They're over there, and so are the rest of our sponsors, so, so go and have a nosy. Uh, but a huge thank you once again for joining us. And until next time, take care, and we'll see you later. Sure.